0: Hello, and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 111, Formosis. Dear brothers and sisters, annuncio vobis, annuncio vobis, annuncio vobis, gaudium magnum, gaudium magnum, gaudium magnum, habemus papam. Well, we are finally here. We met him a long time ago, and today we talk about Pope Formosus. I don't think we have to go through it as extensively, but let's recap what we know about Formosus, who we met several episodes ago. Formosus was born in Rome in 816, where he grew up in the faith and he entered the church service. Now, the first we hear of him is that he was appointed the Bishop of Porto. If you remember, the bishop at that time was sent to Constantinople by Nicholas I to try and figure out the Phocian schism, but he gave in to Phocius and was later excommunicated by a synod in Rome. To fill his place, Formosus, who was young and energetic priest, was appointed. Formosus had the trust of Nicholas, who assigned him to be his envoy to the Bulgarians. The Bulgarians loved him so much that they wanted him to stay and be their archbishop, but Nicholas refused on the account of the long-standing practice of a bishop not moving from diocese to diocese. This is going to be a huge deal. Later on, Formosus was sent to France as an envoy of the Holy Roman Emperor. For good or for ill, Formosus was identified with the faction in Rome which opposed Pope John VIII, and he fled the city when John gained political power. John demanded that Formosus return to Rome to face charges. Formosus refused. He hid out with the emperor, Charles the Bald, until things blew over. But in John, the and a Roman synod excommunicated him and deposed Formosus in July of 872, who remained in exile in France. And he was forced by the Pope to swear and assign testimony that he would never again return to Rome and never seek to be Pope. But that excommunication was short-lived. The next pope, Pope Marinus I, who was a bishop who changed diocese, restored Formosus to communion to his title and forgave him his oath. And Formosus continued to serve as the Bishop of Porto until the death of Pope Stephen V in 891. But before we move forward, Let's take a look at what has been the pattern for Formosus up to this point. It's hard to draw them explicitly, but we've seen the development of factional fault lines in Rome over the last 50 years or so. Again, it's hard to say where they fall and why they fell the way they did, if it was pro-empire versus anti-empire, if it was family versus family, But we can see some popes who fell on one side or the other, and some factions which flourished more under one pope or the other. And while it's all very murky looking back a thousand years, one thing that will sharpen our focus is Formosus. We've already seen some who are very much against him and others who are very much for him, and this will continue into the future. Now, despite this factionalism, Formosus seems to have been a very pious and popular bishop, so much so that at the death of Stephen V, Formosus was elected pope and consecrated on October 6th, 891. Formosus was particularly interested in missionary work in the north. He was himself a missionary bishop, and he was especially interested in Scandinavia, Germany, and England. He intervened in disputes in Germany and France over episcopal succession and territory, and he urged the English bishops to stand up to the onslaught of the Vikings, who were, of course, pagan. And one of the first things on his desk, however, as Pope, was a response from the East about the deposition of Phocius, Patriarch of Constantinople. Formosus upheld the deposition and declared all of Phocius' ordinations invalid. But he said that Phocian partisans could re-enter communion if they did penance publicly. He sent two legates to Constantinople to receive the penance of Phocius' side, but this intervention didn't really solve things, and it probably only made the East more angry at the West. It was basically ignored, even though Phocius was definitively deposed. Formosus wanted to call a church council to deal with the whole situation, but the council kept getting delayed because of things in the West taking precedence. And what were those things in the West? Well, it's the chaos surrounding the Holy Roman Empire and its disintegration. If you remember from last week, Guy III, the duke of neighboring Spoleto, forced Stephen V to crown him king of Italy and the Holy Roman Emperor. Now, Guy did the same thing to Formosus, forcing him to come to Ravenna and crown his son, Lambert, as co-emperor and successor in 892. Now, Formosus did this crowning out of political subservience because Guy the Spleto had a big army and it was sitting right on the border of Rome, but he wanted out of this relationship. So he and a group of Roman clerics went to Germany in 893, and they asked the help of Arnulf, the nephew of Charles the Fat, and the king of Germany, to help free them from Guy. Arnulf agreed, and he came down to Italy in 894. And at that time, Guy died, and his son Lambert worked out a deal with Formosus, and it seemed like things were settled. But Lambert's cousin, Guy Fourth stirred up things in 895, conquering the territory of Beneventum in southern Italy. And this upset the balance of power and prompted Formosus again to write to Arnulf for help. So he again came down to Rome. But while he was on his way, the Empress and a group of Spolettian troops seized control of Rome. But they lost in a battle against Arnulf's forces. And when Arnulf entered Rome, Formosus crowned him Holy Roman Emperor, which was in 896, and deported from the city of Rome the supporters of Spoleto. But the peace he brought wouldn't last long, and the spoletons would reemerge. In fact, we're going to be dealing with Spoleto for a long time now. Soon after his coronation, before he could definitively deal with Spoleto, Arnulf had a stroke and returned partially paralyzed to Germany. And there he remained. And with his absence and his lack of vigor because of his illness, he was unable to really keep things under control in Italy. And this also seemed to be the last straw for Formosus, who died on April 4th, 896, and was buried in St. Peter's Basilica. Now, normally, I conclude the story there. He died and was buried in St. Peter's Basilica. And for now, that's where we're going to have to conclude the story and talk next week about his successor, Pope Boniface VI. But this isn't the last we're going to hear about Pope Formosus. We are unfortunately going to be talking about him and the repercussions from his papacy for a while. But you will just have to wait and see about that. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com. There you can find all our other shows, hundreds of hours of content, or you can find us on iTunes and subscribe. Thank you. God bless.